have your Bibles tonight, be turning over to the book of Matthew, chapter 17. <coughs> Brother John can't talk at all, and I'm a little hoarse, so y'all about got everything going in the right direction, I guess. And uh, I trust that you come expecting a blessing tonight and uh, receptive hearts to what uh, the Lord has to say to us. If you have your Bibles, you found Matthew chapter 17. If you'll stand, we want to read just one verse tonight, verse 20. <clears throat> and Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall, shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you for the power of the promises behind this verse. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the ability tonight that we'll be able to consider ourselves and the faith that you've given unto us, Lord, and the worth of that faith. Now go with us, with us in that undertaking of presenting this message. We ask in Christ's name, amen. I begin to think about this message and the subject is faith and what faith really is. And of course when we talk about faith in the Bible we're talking about faith in God. And faith in God simply means to believe what God said. And we'd all confess without a hesitation that we believe what God says Yet, when it comes down to the place where we put it in practice, sometimes our action doesn't back up what we say. And so, but no one can read the New Testament without being impressed with the greatness of the things that God did through men that had faith. And uh, some, you know, are so great they uh, cause us to stagger at uh, believing them. Can you imagine standing on the side of the Red Sea and seeing Moses stretch out uh, his hands over the waters and the waters part and uh, those Israelites go through on dry ground? Now, the, whatever God does, he does completely. And uh, this, the best that we can tell, this uh, spreading open of the waters was at least a mile wide, if not farther. And as soon as the waters stopped flowing, the, the ground became dry. Now, I heard a little thing, and I hadn't planned on, on saying this, but I heard a little thing about an individual who didn't believe that God did that. And uh, he was kind of having a discussion with this fellow that believed in uh, the promises of God and the Word of God. And he said, now I want you to explain to me uh, how that that many people can go through a raging sea and uh, trying to prove to him that it really wasn't raging like uh, the Bible said it was and, and be saved. And he said the old man really got excited and uh, the unbeliever was asking him what he was excited about. And he said, well... Uh, there's a bigger miracle happened than I thought 
God was able to drown a whole army in a mud hole. And uh, I, I don't know if, if that, uh, you know, impresses you or not, but I've remembered it for several years. And I, when God says something, I believe it. I, the old uh, couple of guys were discussing the Bible one day, and one of them said, you know, I believe the Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation. And the other one said, I even believe the cover because mine says genuine. And uh, so I, I'm like him. I believe the cover when it says genuine. But it, it kind of staggers our belief and our faith when we think about that happening. We think about uh, a little later on, Joshua was standing on the side of Jordan and it was raging and flooding out of its banks. And uh, God did the same thing for Joshua and the children of Israel as he did for Moses and the children of Israel 40 years prior to that time. That ought to say one thing to us. God's uh, power and God's miracle working uh, doesn't uh, deteriorate with time. And then we think about old Elijah standing on top of Mount Carmel and uh, calling fire down out of heaven. And we could go on and on with the things that God records in his words that men who believed him uh, was able to command him to do. And uh, yet, somewhere or another, we have a problem of believing God could still do that today. And uh, I believe that if God says it certainly is true and he t he's told us about all about these events and we sometimes think that there must be a mistake. There, there must be something there that we're not understanding and something that uh, God is holding back from us because we don't believe that God, if we commanded a mountain to move, we don't believe God really moved that mountain. But I don't care if it's a real mountain or if it's something that's in your life that is a mountain to you. If God decides to move any situation, he can do it. He doesn't, always, he doesn't always choose to do what we ask him, but he always hears us, and he will always answer. Sometimes the answer is no, but he doesn't always choose to do what we would like for him to do. But we have to keep in mind that what God chooses to do is always the right thing. And so there, there's no mistake. Uh, these things that happen in the Bible is still available to us today if we simply would get our lives in line with the Lord and if we'd simply believe what he has to say. And I know this is written many years ago. And the, this portion of Scripture is written primarily to the Jewish Christians. But uh, there's no reason why we should try to explain it away of many Many of our modern-day preachers and teachers try to explain the uh, miracles of God away. But uh, I'm here to tell you tonight that God is still able to do anything today that he's able to do in those days. He's still on the throne. He hasn't grown old. He hasn't lost any of his power. He hasn't lost any of his knowledge. Uh, God is the same today that he was in those days and we simply can't get things done a lot of times because 
we don't believe the promises of God. God said if you come, come to the altar and you pray, and then you get up and you go away with doubt in your heart, you might as well not pray at all. That's, that's paraphrasing it, but that's exactly what he says. Don't let the man that a waver think he'll receive anything from God. And uh, I read the story of a man one time that, that gave a friend of his a check, and he said, you go out and you find an individual or a group of individuals that needs a financial need met, and you write this check for any amount of money that they need and meet that need. And I began to think about that. If, if that were to happen to us, what would you do if somebody came up and gave you a blank check? You know, that's what God did for Solomon. He said, Solomon, you ask, you ask for anything you want. And he said, you can have it. And, you know, what, what would we ask for? Many of us had asked for a great amount of money. I used to preach this and say we had asked for a million dollars, but a million dollars got worse, not uh, a great big amount of money. It's still a lot of money to me. But to the, to the individuals that are in business, a million dollars doesn't uh, mean a whole lot. But uh, if someone told you like God told Solomon, you can have anything you want, what would you ask for? Uh, would you add, Brother Dolan's got the feeling a whole lot better than he used to feel, he said, and I know we talked one time about uh, the health of our body. Uh, we can give anything we own to have a healthy body again, and I believe most anybody who's had failing health would say that. But uh, what would we ask for? And uh, some would like to have power, and some would like to have fame. That, uh, Solomon could have gotten any of those things, but he asked for the wisdom to govern God's people the way he'd have them governed. And God said, because you've asked for someone else and not yourself, he said, I'll give you what you've asked for, but I'll give you all these other things to go with it. And so what, what would if, if I had a blank check, what would I do with it? Would I seek out a friend that had a need and, and meet that need? That'd be awfully easy to do, wouldn't it? Let me, let me find somebody I really like. Let me find a relative uh, and uh, let me uh, meet the need in their lives. And so I began to think about that. Uh, what, what would I do? You know, we don't have to worry as much about material uh, What's the word I'm wanting to use here? I started saying material stuff, but that don't sound too good. But we don't have to worry so much about the things that sustain life as we think we do. Because God said over in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Now, if I set aside the material needs that I have, then what do I need? And I believe if we look you know, if we shut out our own needs and we shut out the needs of our family and our friends, uh, if we're thinking aright, we'd bring it down to the needs of the, the work of the Lord. Now, what's the need uh, of God's work? Let's make it a little more personal. What's the need of the Sunny Hill Baptist Church? Now, God has blessed us materially. Uh, 
you know, beyond what we could ever come close to deserving. But there, there is something I believe that we need more than we need material things. And uh, I believe that thing that we need the most is the ability to believe God. The ability to have God's power on our life. What if you got everything you asked for? Now, I don't believe that an individual can live to the place where they get everything they ask for, but when we come together in a service like this, and the preachers are up here preaching, or the singers are up here singing, now, I don't want you to answer this question to me, because it might be embarrassing, but just examine your own hearts for a few moments. What am I thinking about? When, when those people are in that uh, pulpit and uh, they're setting forth the message of God or they're giving a message out in song, what am I thinking about? And especially in the morning service, it's awful easy, I'm sure, for the ladies to say, now I turned that roast on. Did I turn it down on low or is it going to be a far when I get home? And uh, Brother Jerry probably has a hard time uh, thinking about more all the big fish I could be catching if I was out on the lake. And, and you know, the, the devil is able to slip things into our minds just to keep us from concentrating on what's going on. And I tell you, as long as we're thinking about those things, I don't care how unsinful they are. It might be that you've got a job and you've got a problem at that job and you've, you've been thinking about, man, how can I solve that problem? I don't care how unsinful it is, if we don't have our minds on what's going on and become a part of that worship service, then nothing's going to happen. And I've said this many times, I know you get tired of hearing it, but I really believe it. I'd rather have good prayers as good preachers. Because if, if as we're gathered here tonight, now we've got not near as many folk as we had this morning, but as we're gathered, gathered here tonight, as I stumble and stammer around trying to get God's message out, if you who are gathered here would be praying, God, use that. God, do something in somebody's heart with that. Uh, it doesn't make any difference how poorly it's delivered. God can take that word and do something to an individual if we'll simply get honest and pray and believe uh, what God said. And so uh, we're talking, talking tonight about increasing uh, our faith and increasing the power of God in our midst. Now, you can't increase the power of God in the midst of the church until you increase the power of God within your own self. And that ought to be our aim. The, the power of God uh, is only reached when we surrender ourselves unto the Holy Spirit of God and let Him work through us. And uh, uh, we, we like to blame everybody else because of a lack of power in the church. We'll say, well, uh, if our old pastor would uh, preach with a little more energy, uh, if uh, he'd study a little bit more, if he'd do this or that, if the evangelist we brought in had prayed more, and had more uh, of the Spirit of God on them, 
if our Sunday school teachers, our junior church teachers, and all that, if they would put a little more effort behind their job, we could have more power in the church. And all of those things might be true, but the responsibility lays with us. Uh, have I got power in my life to get what I ask from God? Do I have faith enough in order to really believe what God said and fully trust him that he's going to do what he's promised to do? And uh, so we find tonight that there is one way that we can uh, have great faith. And everybody's got some, especially those that are saved. You didn't get saved if you didn't have some faith. Now, what do I do to increase my faith? The truth of the matter is, if I want my faith increased, I'm going to exercise it. I may not have enough faith to believe that God will move a mountain if I ask him to, but maybe I could start out believing he can move a molehill. Uh, something simple, something small. And when I exercise my faith on that and see that God's good and faithful to that promise, then I could ask him for something larger next time. Uh, some, of the, some of the men that I've known down through my lifetime who's been able to ask God for unthinkable things and get them started out just, and like I said, started asking for small things. And uh, then they increase your faith. And that's what the apostles said to the Lord when he was still on the earth. He said, Lord, increase our faith. And then the, the Lord asked the apostles at one time, said, where is your faith? I wonder if God looked at our hearts tonight, and he does, but we're not conscious of it. But if he looked at our hearts tonight, uh, I wonder if he'd say that about us. Where is your faith? Now, I know you've got some, but where is it? And uh, the, the text that we've read tonight said, if you've got just as much as a grain of mustard seed. Now, I'm told that the mustard seed is the smallest seed there is. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know it's a very small amount. He said, if you've got faith as great of mustard seed, and we, we dwell on the size of the mustard seed a lot of times, and we fail to go deeper to see what else we can learn about the mustard seed. It has, it has life in it. And uh, if it is planted where it's supposed to, it will grow and produce more life. I believe that God expects, I don't believe, I know for certain that God expects us to produce fruit. Fruitful Christians, more Christian. And so the same thing is true of that mustard seed that's planted in your heart. If you yield to that mustard seed, then it will grow and uh, you'll have more faith than if you just, you know, tried to, as I said a few moments ago, tried to explain it away. Well, God didn't really mean a mountain. Uh, let me say a word about that. I sincerely believe that if there was a mountain, a literal mountain, in the way of you serving God 
and you believe God would move it for you and you ask him to, I believe God would figure out a way to move. And I don't know how he would do it. Again, the, the stories that I tell, Brother Bud's got them numbered. He says, you know, this is number 38, I, I remember. Him. But uh, this lady that uh, a missionary went to the island where she lived and uh, uh, he, he lived, him and her lived on one side of the mountain and the church was on the other side of the mountain. And he'd pick this lady up and carry her to church. And there came a time when the missionary was going to leave and go back home and another missionary is going to come and take his place. But this other missionary bought a home on the same side of the mountain with the church. And so that left the lady without any way to get to church. And she ran across this verse of scripture. And she began to pray, Lord, move that mountain so I can get to church. And over on the side of the mountain where she lived, there was an, uh, an oil company that discovered oil. And uh, the shipping port was over on the side where the church was. And so they came in there and cut a hole in the mountain and laid a railway through it and they let her ride the train Sundays to church, and she said, Lord, you didn't remove the mountain, but you did just as well. You put a hole through it. And, and uh, that's the way God does things sometimes. He may not always do them just like we expect him to do, do them, but he will always stand behind his promise. I don't believe there's a promise in this book that God's power is not behind. And oh, how... You know, us older folk have kind of learned that a little bit over the years. But uh, we've done got to the place where our bodies and minds have just about worn out. But, uh, you know, if we could get that truth indwelled in our young people, that, that uh, a great faith comes by exercising the little faith that God gives to you. And that you can accomplish, as the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But that takes faith. And if we could get that implanted into our young people, uh, just think what they could do with their energy and uh, uh, longevity, longevity of life that they have before them if nothing happens. And uh, that, that's where I believe that the hope of the church lays is to be able to impress upon our young people, not only is God able to do great things, but he's able to do great things through you. And uh, can you imagine that, how hard it would have been to convince people, uh, convince Moses as he was out there on the back of the desert tending sheep, that he could have parted the waters of the Red Sea? And all those other things that we talked about, could, could you imagine uh, convincing those individuals that God would use them in, in that capacity? And we have to remember, though, that God's the one that does it. Too many times I think it's pride that stands in the way of our faith. You know, maybe we'll surrender to the, to the Lord and we'll do something and God will bless it and then people will start bragging on it. Man, you really accomplished something. 
and we kind of rear back. And uh, we said, man, that, that was really a good, good day, wasn't it? But all the time God did it, he just used us as a vessel. And uh, when, when we take the glory that belongs to God, then God's going to quit, quit blessing us. And so we need to understand that we need to, to be completely yielded and submitted to the will of God. We need to be completely, have complete faith in God. And uh, then when it's all said and done, we've got to remember that God's the one that did the miracle and he only used us as an estimate. God help us that our faith will increase and we'll be able to be unselfish enough to sit in the audience and pray when the men preach or the singers sing to say, God bless them and help them to say something or do something, Lord, that would touch a heart and uh, reap that individual either into the kingdom of God or encourage them in the work that God has called them to do. We'll ask you to stand with us as you would, please. Piano player and song leader come. Brother Max be on my right. Brother John on my left. I'll ask Brother Chris to come to the center if he would, please. These men are here to help you. You know that. We've been doing this for years. Uh, they're here to try to help you with anything you don't understand. If you're not saved, they'll take the word of God and lead you to the Lord. The altars are there for your use if you'd like to.